Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, August 22nd, 2021, we bring you a special sermon by Pastor Jeff Stevens titled, The Vision, Serve. Enjoy. Highlands Vision. In the last uh, two weeks, three weeks, um, Highlands Vision is to encourage everyone's next step toward Jesus Christ. Pastor Bob spoke about this. He talked about the need for us to be uh, in pursuit of Christ. Doesn't mean that God's not in pursuit of us. He is on a perpetual basis. But if we fix our attention and our focus to the person of Jesus Christ, it radically changes everything. It radically changes our everyday life. Then in the second part of this, help families grow together in faith. Pastor Thomas spoke about this. And I can honestly say, right, when it comes to families and this this model that Christ has given us within the family, the greatest children's ministry, the greatest youth group program, the greatest student ministry of all time is a mom and dad following Jesus Christ and modeling for their child. So many people find themselves dependent upon the hour and a half or the 1.9% of awake time for the church to somehow save their child. The church is not in charge of that. The church is here to edify, to equip, to grow. And even I'm not here today to convince you, convert you, or convict you of anything. It is simply God's word. And it is God and God alone that compels us to do what we do, or we are in battle against him, our fleshly desires. We're going on today to this part three, which is an actively serve our community. I think that a lot of us hear the word serve and we start to think of a lot of different ideas. I want to refresh our our, our mind on mission, vision, and values. You know, the mission is the goal. The vision is what it looks like when we get there. And of course, the values are the compass so that we don't get lost. But we start to think of corporations, we think of businesses that run on these mission, vision, and values. And some of them are just simply not who they say they are. We think of service organizations like maybe the Ritz-Carlton, which is an incredible service event. They are, in fact, ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. We think of uh, organizations like Disney, Disneyland, Disney World, as the happiest place on earth. I don't know about you, but I've never been happy at Disneyland ever. (laughs) Not only am I bankrupt, there's not a happy child anywhere. But we start to think of these things and we equate value or service to these things. We are a nation, a people, who in fact values service. The the reality of service is that it has to have a transcendent purpose for it to be effectual. Transcendent purpose is that thing that is not self-reflexive. It's not about me. 
But true, in fact, fundamental truth about a servant is that a servant isn't focused on self-interest. A servant is focused on the object of its service. In our place as Christians, that object is Christ. We serve Christ and Christ alone. There's conflict in this. For 35 years, I worked in the service and labor industry. And as much as we tried to compel or motivate or teach or educate or train serving, we could never get beyond the fact that you were being a character, not a person whose core of their being was serving Christ. There's nothing we can train in that. You either have the Holy Spirit and Christ in you and it compels you to serve, or you don't. It's not a program. It's not even an event. Not to say that there's not programs and that there's not events. But in fact, serving is a lifestyle compelled by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I start to look at different businesses. For years, this was my goal over and over again, trying to establish a transcendent purpose within corporate America. In fact, I wish most corporations, public and private, would just simply have an accurate mission statement. We are here to make old man Smith as filthy rich as we possibly can. Because the difficulty of serving is that you cannot serve both God and money. Don't take that as that I believe we should have redistribution of wealth or anything like that. I am a capitalist. If you give me money, I will deposit it. <laughs> but I remember some 30 years ago, in fact, growing up, I used to go to this restaurant in Los Angeles. It's at the corner of 9th and Figueroa. Uh, they go by the name the original pantry because so many people have been trying to do a cheap knockoff of it for so many years. The claim to fame of the pantry is this. They opened in 1924. They have not been closed for one minute, not for one minute, in 97 years. In fact, they've kept track of their stats. In all 24 hours a day, 365 days out of the year, they have not been without a customer taking their services in 67 years. What I loved about the pantry is it was a place that you would go to and you would see the CEO of a Fortune 100 company eating breakfast right next to a homeless man. You see, until I think it was about 2011, coffee, bread, and their famous coleslaw was in fact free. And they did that because they wanted to attract all walks of life. They don't care who you are. They don't care what you've accomplished. They're there to serve. And although I don't believe that their mission is Christ, the people that they hire, the individuals in there, many of them are extraordinary. There was one uh, waiter that I had, and this is going back 30 years, I don't recall his name, but I remember the conversation because it was profound. He himself was a recovering drug addict. He himself had been out of prison now for just a couple of months when I first, when he waited on me and a group of friends. I was probably 19 or 20, somewhere in that age range. 
And I was probably living a very wicked double life. I was a Christian to my Christian friends, and I was the party Jeff with my party friends. But I remember listening to this guy's testimony. And his testimony was this horrific childhood, bouncing around from home to home, not having any real leadership or guidance in his life, that led to an addiction, that led to him uh, stealing, that led to him going to prison, that led to him hearing the gospel for the first time of his life in prison. Him coming to know Jesus Christ. And then him changing his life radically to serve Christ and his kingdom. As he gave this story, as he talked about what Christ has done in his life, it came so fluent from him. It came so natural. And I remember sitting there because my friends made fun of me for it, but the the issue was is when he finished his story, I looked at him and I said, man, praise God. I remember my friends like, what has come over you? Praise God, what's that all about? I said, this guy's just shared his life. He's told us everything and he's talked about this radical change in his life to the glory of God. That's incredible. What's amazing about the pantry is that oftentimes there is a line that literally goes around the block. It's not uncommon to have an hour and a half to a two hour wait. Now, I don't know about you, but if you tell me it's longer than 15 minutes, I typically go someplace else. That's how patient I am. But we start to realize that these people will line up to to receive the experience and the service of these people who serve in this workplace. But how many people in that line would line up to be the servant? We'll line up to be served, but we'll do virtually nothing to be the servant. This is a problem for us culturally. We see the servant as the bottom when Jesus sees the servant as the top. We start to realize that there's got to be a reason, there has to be a profound truth here somewhere. We know that in Colossians 3, he tells us whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. So our purpose, although our mission is to love God and to love people and to make disciples, the purpose for why we do that is not for the people. Because we don't work unto men. In fact, when we work for our highest purpose to be the approval or the acceptance or the likability, whether it be social media or whatever it be, if that becomes your highest purpose for which you're doing, that's just simply called idolatry. Thou shalt have no other God but the one true God. There's no question as we examine God's word that we're here and we exist to serve God. In fact, Luke 4, 8, uh, Tim read it earlier, a part of it, says, and Jesus answered him, and he says this, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. There's an author of a book called the Practicing the Presence of God. It's written by a monk named Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence worked in a monastery. His whole life was devoted to being the dishwasher in the monastery. 
And it used to bother him when in fact other monks would come to him and say, Brother Lawrence, put down the dishes and come and worship God with us. Because Brother Lawrence would grumble under his breath, that's what I've been doing here all day, worshiping God. You see, in fact, our life is that of continual and perpetual subservancy to the glory of Jesus Christ. We are ambassadors of the most high God as Christians and are called to serve. You, every one of you that proclaims Christ is the ambassador of the 100 square feet around you. You're responsible for everyone who enters that space to serve them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The question becomes, why is it why should we want to serve God is becoming a more difficult question. It's because Christians have different reasons for serving God. Different people are maybe motivated by different things. But the Bible makes it clear that we serve because we know him. And there is in fact an inherent part that in knowing him, if we grow in his grace, if we grow in an understanding of who Jesus Christ is, it will in fact compel us to serve all the more. We love because he first loved us. In fact, in Romans 8, 29, he says, for those whom he foreknew, people, he also predestined, so he had this premeditated love, and what did he do it for? to be conformed to the image of his son. You see, God, in contrary to popular cultural belief, is not changing you into your own unique identity. In fact, your specific identity is not your identity. You are a Christian. You are a little Christ. You represent the most high God and everything you do is an act of service to his glory. It's sure, people are gonna benefit from it. You're gonna even feel benefits from it. But that's not the core of your being that compels you to do it. What compels us to do it is a holy God revealing in our life the need to follow him, to trust him. When we look at Jesus' life, there's of course no denying that he was the servant of servants. His entire life was centered on serving his heavenly father by teaching, by healing, by proclaiming the kingdom. In fact, he tells us in Matthew 4.23, he says, he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. He served. He served, he served. But the Son of Man, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Right? There's two areas that I think we, as a society, tend to get wrong. We know emphatically Jesus Christ did not come to condemn, but to save. But somehow we walk away and interpret it as that it must be my job to condemn. We don't judge people because they sin differently than us. We love them with the gospel of Jesus Christ until God leads them to repentance. 
It's not my job to condemn people. We know that Jesus Christ said, I came not to be served, but to serve. But yet we line up around the block for things to be served. Metaphorically, we do it in all of our life. Waiting for someone to bring us something. Waiting for someone to do something. Rather than just simply handing it over to the Lord. Right? Jesus himself, even on the night that he was arrested, before he was betrayed, knowing that Judas was going to betray him, he said these words. In John 13, 12 through 17, he says, he says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. This is the charge of God. To serve as he served. You see, genuine service cannot be separated from the love of God. We can go through the motions, we can be cheap knockoffs of it, we can do all kinds of things, but we're missing the point of 1 Corinthians 13 if we think that our faith and our hope is enough. No, love. A lot of people work or serve out of a sense of obligation or duty apart from love. That's not serving. That's self-serving. Rather, serving God should be our supernatural love-filled response to him and what he's done. Right, 1 John 4, 9 through 11 says, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. That nickel word there is uh, to, be, to satisfy the wrath for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, what should we do? We, ought out to, we, ought, we also ought to love one another. To serve. We can't separate service and love. Probably another great example would be the Apostle Paul. Because sometimes the motivations are wrong. As we all recall, right, Paul went out and he was a, a, a lynch mob for Christians. He was killing Christians. He was persecuting the Christians. And he was doing this because as a Pharisee, he saw them as an abomination to a holy God. He believed that what he was doing was the right thing to do until he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And Christ, in his gentleness, radically changed Paul forever. Right in Acts 9.20, it talks about this. And immediately after Christ had revealed, he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying he is the Son of God. The very reason he was killing Christians, the very reason he was in pursuit of these people was because Jesus was saying that he is God. And Paul goes in return and starts telling all the same synagogues, he really is. He really is. Compelled to serve. In fact, Paul describes this transformation in 1 Timothy 1. Verses 12 through 14, he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, 
I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Once Paul became aware of the love and grace that God had given him, his response was to serve, not stand in the line to be served. You see, the goal of serving is simple inside the church. 100% of the body serving 100% of the body. And I don't know who the body is, so you serve everyone. We serve them all. The Bible offers several motivations for our service. We want to serve God because Hebrews 12, 28 tells us we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Because our service supplies, 2 Corinthians 9, 12, the needs of the Lord's people. Because our service will in fact prove our faith and causes others to praise God, like the testimony from the guy at the pantry. It just naturally compelled such an incredible story, a radical story about how God took a very wicked, a very sinful guy and transformed him into this loving human being who's just serving and telling people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Or 2 Corinthians 9.13 says this. It says, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contributions for them and for all others. And because God sees and rewards our labor of love, this isn't the reason why we go and do it, but it will in fact be the result. This is why we go and we feel good. We go and we participate in a program like Feed My Starving Children. You walk away saying, man, I feel good. But that's not the reason you're there. You're not even there for the children who will be fed. You're there for the glory of Jesus Christ. That God, through you, is in fact doing his work to take care of people. And you're participating in a perpetual program. Hebrews 6.10 tells us, for God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. You see, each of these is good reason to serve God. Number one, prove your faith by serving. Prove that the Holy Spirit resides in you because you serve God. Prove it. That also causes others to praise God. Or point two, God sees your acts of service and he rewards your labor of love. But again, it's about his glory. We've bought into service lies and servant lies forever. We probably started telling them when kids entered kindergarten that if you don't do well here, you won't be placed well in elementary school. If you don't do well in elementary, you will not get into a decent program for middle school. 
And if middle school isn't a big thing for you, then you're gonna be in one of those lesser programs when you get into high school. And if you don't do anything in high school, you won't get into a good university. And if you don't get into a good university, you'll never be able to work. You'll be a gas pumper. And we go on and on. Not compelled out of servanthood. Trying to wrongfully motivate people to do things. Not because of Christ and who God is to his glory but because of self-interest and what it will propel me to be. We start to realize that the reason we love, the reason we serve, is because he first loved us. If you want to desire to serve, if you're sitting there right now saying, Jeff, I just don't, I don't know, man, I just don't have that desire you need to get to know Jesus Christ more. John 16, 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, this Holy Spirit that takes over in your body, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. If the Holy Spirit indwells you, brother or sister, then you are competent to counsel. You are competent to care for the person on your left or your right. You are completely competent and fully equipped to share the love of God with everyone. You see, when we truly know God, who is love, it compels us. 1 John 4.8 also shows us the opposite of that. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Examine that. You see, our, our natural, or I should say our supernatural response is a desire to love and serve him because he loved and served us. At the pantry, the staff is often a second chance for convicts. And the service is quite remarkable. But each employee is ready to serve on their own 24-7, 365. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've accomplished. The line is often around the block and people want that same experience to be served in kindness and in love. But very few will line up to be the servant. Loving people is what the Lord Jesus himself did in his earthly ministry. He did more than feed the hungry, heal the sick, or even forgive a society that was already condemned. Christ blessed us all by Acts 3.26, by turning each of us from our wicked ways and freeing us in Romans 8.2 from the captivity of sin and death. It is because of this that we can serve him without fear. The shroud has been torn away. The entrance to the Holy of Holies is 24-7. The call to serve is 24-7. The call is not a program or an event. The call is a lifestyle dedicated to serving Jesus Christ in the 100 square feet that he has you at any one particular moment. Because everywhere you stand with the Holy Spirit in you is holy ground. And your purpose inside this 100 square feet is to serve Christ by loving God, by loving people, and making disciples. 
People say to me all the time, my work doesn't pay me to proselytize. No, they don't, but they will not fire you for loving people. They will not fire you because you were kind. Are you looking for ways to serve? To be in response to his goodness? Whether you're an individual, a small group, or an entire family, I'm gonna encourage you to join our Highlands care team. Our care team is about visitations, making and delivering meals, doing yard work for someone in need, transportation for the elderly to their medical appointment, cleaning, groceries, computers, cell phones, carpentry, small household repairs. This goes for everyone in this room. Students, you know more about technology than any of these old people combined. It's time to serve. It's time to help. If you're fearful of this and feel that you need training, we're kicking off here on October 3rd, a Zoom, a virtual training. You can stay in the comfort of your own home. Pants are optional. You just have to wear a shirt, right? You can be a part of this training. It's called Stephen Ministry. We will train you. The books and the materials for that cost about 100 bucks. If you don't have that money, just come see me. I'll pay for it. We'll make sure that you are fully equipped to the best of your ability. But even if you don't become fully equipped, the Holy Spirit dwells in you and you're called to do this 24-7. But don't thank events. I mean, again, if you want to do an event, September 24th, 25th, uh, Feed My Starving Children, bring your family, bring your small group, come as an individual, serve, serve, serve. I'm all for it. But don't miss the point. This is about lifestyle. Not an event. I would encourage you to go to highlandschurch.org forward slash serve. On the community page, there's a link to say, I want to be a part of the Highlands Care Team. Whether you do the training or don't do the training, the training is fully optional to you. The serving is not. We're called to do this. Sign up for Feed My Starving Children. Sign up for the Stephen Ministry. But as I call the worship team, and even the prayer team, right, the prayer team doesn't want to be deafened, so they'll come up and stand off the side. But at the end of the service, right, we, we re-brought the prayer team back uh, because of COVID, right? They're back. But I got to tell you, there's something incredible inside this church. This prayer team serves every single week, week over week. They pour into the prayers that come in online. They're dedicated to lifting you up before the Lord. They're here to serve. But sadly, there's only about three people in this church who need prayer. Or maybe you're just unwilling to utilize the fullness of the body. 100% of the body serving 100% of the body. We're called to serve. Maybe it's not that you need prayer today, but maybe you could just come forward to that prayer team and pray for them. Serve them that way. But serving, don't get me wrong, is 24-7, 365 days. Not an event. Or not just an event. I'm calling you to pray for people, anyone and everywhere. I want you to care for the widow and the orphan. 
We have families who have need of respite care so they can just get a date with their special needs children. We need you to come and serve. I want you to encourage random people. I want you to help somebody who's in need. I want you to openly tell people and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? I can think of no better reason than what Jesus said in Matthew 25, 40. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. We serve Jesus. I'm calling you to take your next step, to log in and sign up, or to take one of these cards, or to text to 94,000. Whatever you have to do, stop by Info Central, fill out this card, and say, I want to serve. I want to be trained to serve. I want to know Christ more. I want to be called to serve at Highlands, to serve our community, to go on mission trips, to go on our, uh, our medical mission trips. I want to volunteer with one of our global partners. I want to serve from the love of God by loving the people I serve. You see, serving allows us to experience God's presence in new ways. Encouragement and healing go hand in hand. As we encourage others and they find healing, we become encouraged. It's the reason why so many people go on mission trips. They come back and they feel invigorated. But do it for Christ. Our vision to encourage everyone's next step towards Jesus Christ, to help families grow together in faith and actively serve our community. If you walk away today with any few things, this is what I want you to walk away with. We serve Christ alone by his grace alone to his glory alone. That's what we do. Serving is more than an event. It's more than an event. Serving Christ is your calling of lifestyle. The inescapable truth is this. As the heart goes, so goes all of life. If your heart's not compelling you to serve now, then it's not about Christ. The foundational, that foundational truth not only guides and impacts our very personal life, but it also impacts the people around you to the praise of God. If the rocks will cry out in silence, so will I. To the praise of God we live. You see, your heart does not simply affect your family, your friends, or even your colleagues in your workplace. It defines you. If you're not serving, it defines you. If you are serving, it defines you. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. Prove it. To God be the glory. Amen? Amen. Brothers and sisters, I hope that you are encouraged to go serve. To be the ambassador of the hundred square feet around you point people to Christ not only in your words but in your deeds 
Help that neighbor next door. Help someone carry their groceries. Help anybody. Help everyone. Pray for anyone. Pray for everyone. Just as our prayer team is down here, ready to serve and pray for you. I know there's more than three of you who need prayer. I know that you're dealing with some heavy burdens. Come let these kind folks be a part of the body to serve a part of the body. That 100% of the body would serve 100% of the body. Don't walk away without encouraging someone, praying with them, praying for them, letting them pray for you. May we live our lives, this lifestyle of servanthood, to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen? I love you guys. We'll see you next week.